Well, Scott Hahn, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> oh, Brand McGinley. <laughs> it is Right and Just is the book we're discussing today, written by Brandon and by Scott. And really, I'm just amazed that you have taken what I thought to be kind of ordinary Catholic publishing to quite a radical level. Yeah. I mean, totally. You... This is like a manifesto. I'm scared. When this hits the kind of Knights of Columbus market, I'm worried they're going to start to use their swords. <laughs> Do they still have swords or did they get rid of those? They moved on to like berets and, and, the, uh, and the kind of more mid-20th century. You know, I know that they... They enjoyed their plumage. Yeah, but I enjoyed the plumage. The beret, though, is more frightening because it makes me think that they have like a small, a very small gun. Right. Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just comes yeah. right out of their. Yeah. Their, like right. it's, it's sort of. Um, <laughs> oh well. Well, the knights will have their reckoning. But yeah. So I do want to get into the kind of the theoretics of this book as well. But for people out there who have not read this and should read this, you are making the claim that society needs the church. Right. And that the society is going to be uh, failing mm -hmm. in its achievement of justice, yeah. in its human flourishing, if it does not have true religion, right. Catholic religion. But you start off, and, and maybe I'm too obsessed about this, but you start off saying, you know, Marx is not all that bad. <laughs> and and, and it, was, it was just so interesting as, as I'm reading this and going through, through the book, I'm finding that... I was thinking back to the, all the major Catholic apostolates yeah. of the last 20th century, mm -hmm. and there was a lot of ap apologetics that rose and did a phenomenal job of bringing people into the church. Mm -hmm. And then there was a host of different, you know, apostolates that discipled Catholics mm -hmm. and tried to bring them further into the faith. Um, and without, I don't mean this to sound too uncharitable or too rude, it, it turned most devout Catholics into Republicans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm rather than in, into radical Catholics. Sure, sure. And you are pivoting that yeah. in a major market right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, think that, uh, I think that, you know, it, it's one of, the, one of the theses that I come back to time and time again in my own work, and, and, and it is certainly at least implicit in here, <laughs> is that we've gotten used to the idea, we have been basically catechized in the notion that... Um, Kind of bog standard American politics. The, the the options on the table in American politics uh, are more or less completely compatible with Catholicism, and mm -hmm. that being a good American in uh, all of the senses in which that's traditionally understood is more or less coterminous with the, with being a good Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so, um, and so we end up in a situation where uh, as the American mainstream shifts, and as what is considered mainstream in certain subsections of American life shifts, uh, so goes uh, so go the, the the church and and um, and many of the institutions uh, associated with her. And so you you end up with things like right now, where, for instance, the two mainstreams in uh, American Catholic politics are more or less completely satisfied with Joe Biden or more or less completely satisfied with Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, uh, and so, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to articulate, you know, we're starting with something that, that, that most American Catholics who take the faith seriously are going to say, Oh, of course the, we, the world needs religion. Oh, what, you know, what do you do? You know, that's very, very typical kind of very standard thing to say, but 
you know, first of all, in the title, you had true religion right on there, and then, and then help people to understand that what we think of when we say religion is completely formed by modern um, uh, modes of, of thought and modern definitions. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And uh, instead, of, instead of thinking, okay, yes, we do need religion, that's true, but that is actually a much more radical statement than, um, than we give it credit for. So let's jump into it. How do you understand true religion? Sure. So, you know, obviously the, the modern understanding of the word religion is basically any supernatural belief system. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and so we could talk of the many world religions, comparative religion, the religion departments at major universities. Um, and uh, as if it's a coherent, um, as if it's a coherent uh, description of, of reality. Um, and, uh, and so we uh, have basically imbibed that way of thinking. And so, um, so we think of Catholicism as being one religion among many, one that has um, you know, perhaps a greater claim to truth than others, but, uh, but is still sequestered conceptually in mm-hmm. this space that we call religion that is kind of an accessory or add-on to a flourishing human life. You mm-hmm. could have it, you could not. Most people have some something like a religion, um, but more or less the same as, you know, what you're, you know, whether you prefer playing with, you know, whether you prefer Lionel Train models or collecting <laughs> Pokemon cards. You know, it's... Um, <laughs> And it's politically and socially irrelevant. Uh, yes, exactly, know? exactly. Um, I mean, this is something you, you cite even George Washington. He's speaking yeah. to, uh, well, it's entitled a letter to Roman Catholics. Yes. And he says, uh, and may the members of your society in America, animated alone by the pure spirit of Christianity, yeah. and still alone, conducting yeah. themselves as faithful subjects of our free government. Yeah. Enjoy every temporal and spiritual yeah. felicity. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've gotten in trouble for for being a little too snarky about you know old George Washington on that one, but I, I think I I think he's being a little snotty himself. Yeah, I, I agree. With you. Uh, and um, and you you know you don't you don't see those qualifications whenever they're talking to to good old uh, you know congregate congregationalists or something like sure. that. Um, yeah. And. Uh, and so, yeah, I think you see from the very beginning, there's that sense that um, that we have to compromise. And you know, hey, you always you, there are certain there are certain aspects of of living in any society. You know, I don't know if we talk about it in the um, in the in this book or not, but I know I've used recently the Epistle to, to Diognetus and mm-hmm. talks about how there's basically that, that that Christians kind of blend into the world around them in the in non-essential. Um, right. the, problem is is that we have blended in in the essentials <laughs> you say that you describe the medieval notion of religion as yeah. being what is still pertinent and yeah. still cited by the catechism of the catholic church as mm-hmm. the true meaning of religion yeah. and what's fascinating is they don't describe it as a collection of beliefs at all right. on the contrary they describe it as a virtue yes um so this i think is like the radically different thing that when we say oh i have a religion mm-hmm. Um, if we're following the teaching of the Catholic Church, we mean something entirely different yes. than what people say when they say you have a religion. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, can you yeah. define what it, what what are the implications of saying well, what is religion as a virtue? Sure, sure. I mean, 
it is religion is um, is traditionally considered, and this is where the title of the book comes from, an aspect of the virtue of justice. Mm. So religion is the virtue by which we do justice to God as far as we can by our with our own human limitations. Right. And so give him we, what is due. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. we give we give to God what is due to him, what is due to him is worship, what is due to him is love, what is due to him is 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 our our attempts to 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 perfect ourselves as far as we possibly can. Obviously, by but precisely by relying on him, um, and uh, and so um, whenever you whenever you twist religion into this kind of sociological phenomenon, it completely loses that aspect of justice, sure. which is you know it's it's not like also it's a medieval add-on uh, to you know there's you know there's lots of kind of modern notions that oh you know you know the the, the church kind of there are various accretions to the faith that happen over time and scholastics mm-hmm. and so on. But the phrase, it is right and just, from the Mass, is attested at least to the second or third century. Wow. And so this idea that it is right and just to, to, to worship the Lord, that it is specifically just to worship the Lord, is, um, is there from the very beginning. Um, and it also has, you know, that, that idea of religion as justice is something that, that uh, Christian thinkers take, took from um, the, the idea of natural religion that you see in the pre-Christian realm. Well, I think what's so frightening about saying, hey, religion is not a collection of beliefs, is actually an act of justice, is that everyone is obligated to be just, yes. whereas not everyone is obligated, at least in our way of thinking, uh, to have the same beliefs. Yes. So when you, when you make that switch, like, oh, no, this is what religion yeah. means now— you're implicating everyone within yeah. a society and not just those who confess the Catholic faith to be true. Yes. So, oh, you, I mean, and you've said, you and Scott say this in the book, which is that uh, once you take this definition of religion, you don't have the religious and the non-religious. Yeah. You just have people who are not doing what they're supposed <laughs> exactly. to do. Yes. <laughs> they're exactly. not yeah. practicing the virtue yeah. of religion. That's... It's, it's a great frame from which to see, in which to see the falseness of the notion of neutrality and secularism mm, yeah um because if we see religion as a ju- as a excuse me if we see religion as a virtue then just like any other virtue you're either doing it or you're not you can't be neutral you can't be indifferent to the to the practice of virtue mm. you're either growing in it or you're growing in its in its uh, in its inverse in its vice um and so uh and so you know it re- reorienting our understanding of what religion is is really foundational to to understanding the um in, in a more complete way than just observing although it's important to observe the problems with liberal neutrality it uh it gets to the heart of of where that problem comes from i think one of the most radical chapters that have been written in a any uh, popular catholic book in the last few decades is yours secularism is idolatry ah I mean that, and it really does come out to be a, a, a sort of climax in in the book that you build up to. Um, but secularism, the secular yeah. space, the uh, this understanding is well. Could you could you give us that argument again? I mean, in the chapters yeah. leading up to there, how yeah. you get there. I mean, yeah. sure. So if you, know, if you don't remember because you wrote it a while ago, <laughs> I can help out. But you know, you know, when you when you mention this, I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the meeting where Dr. Han and I were talking about this, and I remember the light bulbs going off in my head when he starts mm. talking about this topic, mm. and I'm mm. like, 
nodding my head and trying <laughs> to keep up with him, which is not easy. Yeah, um, that's true. And, uh, and, um, but yeah, you know, if going off what we just said, that, uh, that you're either, that it's not a question of shall we be religious or not? Mm -hmm. Shall we organize our life or our society or our families or whatever around a notion of what is right and true and good or shall we not? The question is what notions of what is true shall we organize our life around? Yeah. And once you see that and once you realize that the other notions of truth around which we organize our life other than the Blessed Trinity, other than the, the truth of Christ, the truth of the church, um, are going to be false gods then right, it right. falls into place and it's just a question of saying it outright um and uh and then of kind of taking the implications where they take you whenever you know we again we we it's not new in the sense that we talk about it's not a new thing to say that if we don't if we don't um if we don't uh when when when, when we excise god from our lives or from our uh from our societies we will in a sense, worship uh, profit or power or pleasure or, uh, or, 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 or perverse notions of justice that are trying to, to get at the real thing but are, you know, but are, aren't, are failing to do so. Um, it's, there's nothing new about that, but just realizing that this is actually a kind of idolatry, that is the, that's the language that's new, and that it's, that, that it's necessary to whenever, whenever you whenever you pull out the idea of, of religion properly understood. Well, I think this is probably the most insightful part of the book because what you, this point that you're bringing out, that if, if you don't have God, yeah. you're, you're going to have a false God, you're going to have idolatry. You hear that from the pulpit yeah. quite frequently. But the thing that people don't bring with that yeah. claim is this understanding that is of the, the political philosophy that we right. also praise and worship in America. Yeah. This understanding of liberalism, where according to fundamental anthropology, the way that we understand people and how we work, yeah. is that you don't need to have that. Right. And you're not going to have that necessarily. Right. But your claim is, no, 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 no. If we're going to be good, honest, and, and you know, integrated Catholics, yeah. we, have to, we have to say these two claims, like yeah. what our government tells us, what American, American culture yeah. tells us, and what we hear from that average homily from the pulpit yeah. are completely mutually exclusive. Yeah. And the one from the pulpit is correct. <laughs> yes. So just yeah. realize that when it pertains yeah. to politics. Yeah. I mean, so much of the project at this point, um, certainly in this book, and I, I think as, as I'm thinking about things, as Dr. Hahn is thinking about things, is, is making apparent those things, is saying outright those things that should be apparent, but that we're so used to the haze of secularism and liberalism that it's hard to see. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Uh, so even though on on a on a brief analysis, on brief reflection, you can kind of come to the conclusion that you just came to. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. When and this is this is kind of a, a perhaps a played out a played out image a played out uh, metaphor. But you know the fish doesn't realize it's swimming in water. We don't realize we're swimming in a sea of basically liberal idolatry, secular idolatry, and so it's really hard to see it. But once you see it, you can't unsee yeah. it. Well, <laughs> let me let me give you a yeah. A little bit of that liberal um, idolatry, yeah. Just as a test case, because I think for a lot of people who hear this, that uh, once you remove the true God um, as the object of the, your society's orientation and worship, um, that inevitably you have some other God in its place. That that that's the claim of idolatry. They're going to look around and say, "Well, okay, 
I think you're being, I think you're exaggerating. Sure, <laughs> sure I can see how you value something of importance, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of God. So in your book, you use examples of um, like the NFL replacing church on Sunday. Right. The, uh, you, you've spoken of greed and, or, or rather profit and money as being, mm -hmm. but it, it seems like for the average liberal, the reason that doesn't like immediately radicalize them, like, oh my gosh, I yeah. have an idol. It's because when they think of an idol, they think of something that fits those categories of religion that we began our discussion mm -hmm. with, namely mm -hmm. that it has supernatural qualities. Yeah. So if the thing is in fact natural, yeah. then it is not in fact a god, right. and then its pride of place in society is not idolatry. This is sort of right. The, and, and this is why I think it fails to convince people. Like you mm -hmm. tell them, hey man, you're really worshiping money, yeah. and just whoop, translate it into a metaphor. I'm... I think money's great, but it's not. <laughs> right, 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 I'm not right, worshiping yeah, anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. how do you defend yourself against that kind of um, that kind of pushback? That that there's something about idolatry that would require something more mystical, something more divine feeling than mm. the kind of lame things we replace God with. Hmm. No, it's a it's a it's a good uh, it's a good question. I think I think uh, first of all, I think the two things that immediately come to mind is that um, first of all, religion does not have to be supernatural in the sense that there does exist the, the, uh, the concept of natural religion. Now we make a big case in the book that that is insufficient, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you need revelation, that you need, that you need, the, uh, that you need an element that goes beyond merely, um, that goes beyond doing justice to the truth as far as, our, as, far as human reason can, can discern it. But the natural world is, is something that is the concept of religion can be applied and has been applied historically to, to, the, to the idea of the justice that we owe um, the natural world. Right, so... Now, so, then the other thing I would say would be that... Uh, well, you go ahead, you go ahead. Well, I'm just going to maybe say what you said in a yeah. way, but it seems like what, the claim that religion involves just the supernatural is false. Right. And so, <laughs> right. yeah, if you're looking for only things like, oh, there's nothing levitating in this room, so there's no God. Right. It's like, well, you might be, you <laughs> yeah, might be yeah, missing yeah. the point. But if... The claim is false, and what's true is that religion is an orientation of justice towards the creator by the mere fact that we're created out of pure gift, right. and we have things to do to give thanks, yeah. right? Yeah. Then it means that the practice of religion yeah. right, involves our fundamental attitudes, not just like the things that we can't explain through right. uh, sort of enlightenment notions of nature, but our liturgy are the thing we yes. spend our time contemplating, the thing we sacrifice ourselves for. I think yes. this is really important. Like, what yes. is the thing what, that what, in what the end we'll, we die for or yeah. sacrifice others for yes. or sacrifice our so, highest goods for? Like, those things are always present, Yes. right? And it's actually, it seems to me that it's precisely in order to avoid looking at that, that we make <laughs> religion only have to do with the supernatural. Because then we're like, ah, see, we've got no gods, no idolatry here. Right, 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 right. All we right, think yeah. about or care about or talk about is money, but right. there's no God because <laughs> the money doesn't float. <laughs> I think, um, as an aside, I, I am curious about the, the phenomenon um, of, um, of the re-spiritualization of idolatry that is happening in um, small ways right now, but you know, I don't want I don't want to overplay the idea of neo-paganism and things like that. But this idea of um, of trying to re-spiritualize our um, our commitments is is coming back. Um, 
Did so, you read that New York Times article with the, uh, the spiritual consultant? Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> I I knew, I made me want to jump out a window. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll introduce it, it very yeah, briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically there's consulting firms that are hired by like Fortune 500 companies to come and spiritualize the work environment. Yeah. The idea being that like making money is the true thing that Americans do. That's what defines us as a religious people. <laughs> And we need to like acknowledge that and spiritualize it actively by developing little rituals. So like when you're all in a Zoom call, you know, together, you like sniff something together before you start. <laughs> or when you're fired, there's like a there's like a ceremony for being Did this fired. begin as a satire and then they started making millions and ran with it or you know, you never know. <laughs> That's hopeful. That's why we keep Jacob around. He's just—he's looking at the bright side. So anyway, sorry. So yeah. so oh, absolutely the re-spiritualization yeah. of of that kind of humdrum religion. Right. Right. Might and be already happening. Yeah, I yeah. think there's. I think in and um, because people recognize the lack, they recognize the they recognize the void, mm-hmm. um, but then have no have no concept with which to fill it other than a spiritualized capitalism. Well, yeah, that is so <laughs> frightening. But it, it is really interesting because, we, you know, one thing that Mark and I have kind of said quite a bit back and forth to one another is, is that, well, is actually that line that C- C.S. Lewis said in, in his famous speech when he, his inaugural speech at Cambridge, when he said that you're never going to find the, the, the prime minister pulling up a white ox on the steps of 10 Downing Street. Mm. Like, we're never going to ritualize our sacrificial systems. Right, we're never going to right. ritualize our paganism again. But in this consulting case, I mean, that's like, like precisely what's, what's, you're starting to see the, the first yeah. seeds of that happening yeah. again. And, you know, I'll just kind of add, add on there because I know some of these concepts are, are strange and it like took me a while to be able to understand this. But you know, in, in the, like the Aeneid, you have this, like the, the quintessential uh, attribute of Aeneas is his piety, mm-hmm. which, you know, suggests some things about his orientation to the gods, but primarily about his duty to the country right. and to one another, uh, that all of these things were mixed together. And when you find this, the ancient pagan yeah. notion of the son of God before the, the scriptures took that over and, and, and truly Christianized it. Right. It was it was somebody who was sat kind of in the middle between the 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 material world and the invisible world, but between the two, it was all this kind of cosmic spectrum. Uh-huh. There was no transcendence. There was no like holy other. It was just this mm. kind of linear movement yeah. from from lower to higher, and he just seemed to be a guy on the visible scale. You know, right, the tipping right, right. the the hinge of the visible scale, and 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 I think that is you know, where we have come back to when we, when we talk to, or talk about idolizing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. idolizing the world is that once we have forgotten about the profound nature of God as, as holy other, uh-huh. as, as personal, yes, absolutely. But, but truly transcendent, then, then we, we really don't have any option, but to go back to what is around us. And then to say, Find well, my that. my duty, my like justice, the right. understanding of just my duty towards things, um, has to be ended in at something, at some right. end, at some purpose, and then we start to systematize and uh, and and reconstruct our yeah. culture in, in such a way that whatever we choose becomes right. our end, and then becomes the lifeblood right. of of what of right. what we do. Yeah, I think um I think what we're seeing now 
um, in any number of facets of life is the breakdown of the idea of neutrality, the breakdown of the idea of relativism, mm-hmm. the breakdown mm-hmm. of the idea of progress for progress's yeah. sake. I think we're kind of we're starting to emerge into a new kind of teleological notion, I think, of what society is supposed to be, but it's ordered towards these things like, you know, these ideas of justice, like I said, that are getting at something real, but because they're untethered from, um, from other virtues and from, and from a, a, an understanding of, of human limitation and, and, and most importantly, how could I, uh, uh, untethered from grace, mm-hmm. um, they uh, they it becomes uh, disordered and and perverse. But at the same time, I'm, perhaps I'm speaking too abstractly. But um, yeah, I maybe you know, yeah. I mean, I'll just I'll just speaking less abstractly. I think that a lot of the stuff that's happened this year with regard to racial justice is getting at something that's real and yet being untethered. Um, leads us to, uh, to, to solutions or, or ways of thinking about the problems that end up um, going, beyond, uh, going beyond the scope of what, um, of what is prudent. Uh, and at the same time, precisely because of the, precisely because of, the, uh, of, of that uh, kind of imbalance, it stirs up, uh, it stirs up opposition that is itself often imbalanced because it refuses to recognize what is genuinely good there. Um, and because of all of this, because it's kind of trying to put a little meat on the bones of the claim in the book that you and you have, um, when you're failing individually and more importantly, socially, in, um, in the duties in the vertical axis and justice to God, the horizontal axis of justice to our fellow man falls apart, you need that grounding or perhaps that anchor in heaven, uh, and that grounding in virtue, uh, again, not just individually, but as a society, uh, to be able to redress injustice in a way that does not create further injustice. Right, yeah. Um, This is such an important point. And it's it's extremely frustrating to see the way this discourse goes, because if I, saying what I just said, I I I get in trouble for opposing racial justice. Um, but in acknowledging the uh, in in acknowledging the, the the good the good even in some of the more radical claims of those who are pursuing racial justice, you know you end up in trouble for for being you know too cozy with uh, with with radicals. Um, but the 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 perverseness of the discourse, the fact that there is no ground that does not seem committed at some level to either. Um, uh, expanding injustice or entrenching it um, is precisely because we've lost the idea, which depends on grace, which depends on the virtue of religion as a social, as a social virtue in justice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that uh, it depends on all that to, to understand that it's possible, that, that justice is not a zero-sum game, that we can redress, we can, there's, it's possible to have reconciliation without recrimination. It's possible to have reconciliation without retribution, but at this point, um, it doesn't seem like there's any ad, there's any you know whether we're talking about racial justice or economic justice or any other kind of justice that we are failing in in some severe way. The uh, we can't imagine it as anything but 
a zero-sum game. Um, yeah, only retribution. And, it makes uh, sense no in the in so far as if our eyes are turned away from God, then our attempts to simply have justice apart from God loses the character of God, which is mercy. Right. Um, and so you end up making an idol of justice itself. And usually a very Christian idol in the sense of like, it's only because of Christianity that you could have seen justice for innocent victims as something to make into an idol yes, in the first place. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, um, it's important, you know, that we, it's important to acknowledge that goodness, um, to acknowledge that there's something that it, it, it just, um, yeah, there's, unfortunately there's, there's no kind of satisfactory place in the discourse right now for, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, for, 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 for reconciliation. Let's talk about, you mentioned um, religion as a social act. Yeah. Right? So it's a virtue of the individual, but only an individual in society. Yeah. And you spend a good part of the book just saying that it's obvious that we're not individuals, we're right. families. Um, and the individuals are sort of a extrapolation of the person yeah. apart from the family, but family yeah. is always there. Um, it seems like people would listen to what you're saying and say, yeah, okay, we need to um, do what is, give what is due to God, thanksgiving, praise, and worship. I'm going to do it. But the moment that you say, and this must be social, you run into this very practical problem, is that none of my friends want to. (laughs) Or, (laughs) you know, to be less flippant, like, you know, the state, our society... Right. In what sense, and this is what seemed to be like something I wanted more from in the book, is sure. in what sense are we supposed to have a virtue of religion as a social phenomenon mm-hmm. if we live in a society in which its only principle is that there is no principle? Its only principle is that there is nothing that we're all supposed to be right. giving worship to. Right. And I don't, and I don't see, um, I'm not convinced by the idea that the, <laughs> obviously, I'm, I'm, uh, Speaking, uh, preaching to the choir here, but I'm not convinced by the notion that the state as currently constituted is really uh, consecratable mm-hmm. um, in mm-hmm. the way that we're talking about. Everything, I suppose, is to some degree, but not in the way that we're, we're speaking of here in terms of uh, actually, um, you know, the, a Christian state would look very different. Would, sure. not, would, not just be, would not just be this state that is staffed with Christians. <laughs> yeah. All right, we, we, got, we got it on record. Yeah, here, here. Uh, <laughs> but to be but, fair, but, some of that's a word game, right? Like, when you say, you know, it's not the state as it's currently configured, it's like, well, of course, conversion to Christianity is a reconfiguration of the thing that's you true. call a state. So that's true. I would yes, hope I, that there's a common I, ground. I completely, you know. completely agree. Yeah. But oh no, I was for, claiming him for our side. Oh, what, I, are, what are you I saying? was pushing back. Oh, no, <laughs> no. uh, saying, these are niche issues. I wouldn't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> We're all on the same side. Um, you know the uh, you, you know the, the, the thing is the thing is is that that is for me very far downstream. Mm-hmm. Now I know it's important. It's not. I don't mean to say ah oh, yeah, well, cross that bridge and we get to it. But you know. Before you can get to the point where you're talking about how does a, a society that is organized by it is organized in some way politically in a state or in a um, in some sort of polity, um, how that goes about the everyday business of performing the duties and justice to God uh, that that form the virtue of religion. Just just convincing people that that justice a generally and b supernaturally 
is um, it goes beyond the individual in that it requires us as families to dedicate the family to God, and that it's possible. It's possible to, for instance, dedicate friendships to God. Um, that that we can organize our lives beyond beyond the scope of the individual and beyond the scope of the household. We can organize communities in such a way that they are more religious, more dedicated to justice, to um, in, in the sense we're speaking of, um, than is generally allowed to be the case. And so, you know, you know, so I don't want, I, like I said, I don't want to dismiss the importance of the nitty-gritty of the political question. I'm very interested in it. But um, to even get to that point, you need to convince people that they can, that it is, first of all, possible, and then second of all, good, to organize uh, communities uh, in such a way that, um, that, the, that, that it is more possible and more every day sure, yeah. to, uh, to worship, to pray together. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is one of the things, like when, when Mark's saying, you know, the major problem is that it's convincing your friends to go along with right, what right. you're saying. I think even, you know, a problem that I've seen in conversations with most of my friends is not so much that they don't want to see a Christian society return. Yeah. They do want to see a Christian society return, but there's some sort of a wall, a barrier that they come up against when, when we say, well, yeah, then we will get rid of the stock market. <laughs> or um, we'll get rid of uh, of of our fractional reserve banking system, uh -huh, uh -huh. or you know, you name all, right, right, all right. you know set of things. Or uh, you can't work at that store anymore. Right. Or like you really think you you can like you know put money behind Amazon? Or uh -huh, you, you uh -huh. know you can go on these examples sure, forever. Sure, yeah. And it's at that point where they what they believe and how they act are. Are, they don't necessarily see a contradiction there, or right. they're willing to see a contradiction there. There's a, there's a place for further conversion that right. we're all going through and Absolutely, we're all yeah. finding in our lives. Yeah. Um. But it's, it seems like that is a, is a sticking point of there's a lot of people who are intellectually on board, right. and yet don't really want to look at yeah. uh, how much this liberal society has changed the way that they live from right. how their Christian ancestors had lived. Right. Right. It's um. It's very hard to imagine. What, what something else might look like. We're just so used to it. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Uh, and, and especially economically, we, um, we have been catechized to believe that um, the only other option on the table is, um, is, is the gulag. Uh, and so, mm -hmm. you know, um, and this again goes to the idea, kind of what we're talking about, I was talking about before in terms of justice, um, that uh, we, we recognize at some level things aren't quite right, that some people are treated not the way they should be, that it is possible, we recognize at some level, to distribute the goods of society more equitably. But precisely because we cannot imagine that occurring in a way that does not cause more problems than it solves, because we can only imagine it in terms of a zero-sum game, um, both in terms of the actual distribution of goods and in terms of 
kind of moral responsibility, if that makes sense, in that we can't imagine, mm-hmm. we can't imagine redistribution without punishment, without, um, without uh, retribution. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's a, it becomes very hard to imagine what does a world look like where, um, where exchange occurs, but it is not so institutionalized as to become the kind of motive force for all of, uh, for all of human life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, that just sets off communism bells. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, um, the sweet alluring you... sound of communism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like and yet you still begin down. your book with Marx. Right, I know, I know. Yeah, we should be clear about what that's about, though. It's yeah, go, opium, go for it. Go opium. for it. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to get into too much. Right. It talks about the opium of the yeah. masses, and we just wanted to. You know, we just want to talk about how. Um, you know that he's actually getting at something real, uh, and and he's actually being in some ways complimentary. It you know he twists it. Uh, Marx does. But that that religion is um, that religion kind of makes life uh, bearable for the proletariat, but giving them something uh, kind of something to hold on to and some and community and uh, and in a supernatural frame for for their suffering. And for him, of course, this something needs to be wiped away so the proletariat can come to understand their their true position, and then you know so on and so forth. Um, but uh, it also relies, though, on that idea of religion as being uh, in the liberal frame, uh, as being basically any sort of supernatural system that is a balm for the material reality. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things I liked about your book is that when you take that notion of religion as a virtue um, and then separate it away from that liberal notion of religion having to do with belief in the supernatural, um, that question of building actual communities that as social groups are orientated to God becomes way more palatable. Yeah. And, and, but what I mean by that is I'm no longer faced with this sort mm-hmm. of um, terrifying prospect of like, okay, in order to orientate my neighborhood to Christ the King, I must get them all to join me in the procession uh-huh. around right, right, uh, right. Sure, <laughs> the sure. town, which we should do. Right, Absolutely. Right, right. <laughs> but the point is that the work of justice, the work of having a community orientated towards Christ already involves a lot of the things that we would previously have considered to be secular, like making sure everyone has housing, like making sure that there's a way for a neighborhood to produce some of its own food, like a community. And, 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 you know, you get the critique that these are all like too small to be of real import. But what I think is they have this, well, of course it has to be both, but it also has this kind of sacramental importance. It's like, okay, religious duty means giving everything to Christ, who is the way, the truth and the life. Okay. And we can do that. Not simply, not excluding, but not simply in ways that we typically associate with like church. Yeah. Because you've just blown that category out of the water. Like there's no, little church place that we go to. And the whole goal of, of integralism is to get everyone into that church place. It's like, <laughs> it starts with the recognition that the whole world, every aching part of it yeah. is being drawn into the church. Yeah. And then what we're doing when we act with justice, when we invite our neighbors over, when we are right. showing them the faith and actually engaging with them in particular acts of justice that the church demands that we do. The sacramental quality we're already, to that. We're yes. already doing it. And yes. then it's just a matter of getting people... All the way on board, so we can join in the in the whole uh, procession. Acts, acts of that was great. Oh, you kept yeah, that exactly. up, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
Always tired. Just, just, just like on the cover, of, we're just like on the cover of the book. Oh, it yes. Oh, brilliant. There Look. it is. Yeah, it's a rogation day. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Rogation day procession. It's a beautiful painting. It is. It is. Yeah. I am, yeah. I'm brilliant. Yeah, I didn't know that <laughs> until we sat oh, down. We're, we're going to really set it up right now. Oh, look at that. Oh, oh, oh good. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, just a very small example. Well, you know, yeah, a very small example from, from my own life is, you know, we have our neighborhood uh, in Pittsburgh, got a, you know, a bunch of young Catholic families are kind of moving to the neighborhood. And we, you know, we, we have uh, like a little chat group and we have like a whole section for free giveaways. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, not making a penny on just giving things away that you don't need anymore or that you do need that someone else could use, could use more than you could. Um, we go together on, like, you know, a few weeks ago, I um, went out to a bakery supply store north of Pittsburgh, and it's open to the public. We placed a big order on behalf of everyone, and I delivered enormous bags of flour and cornmeal. It's not, we aren't, it's not self-sufficient in the way you're saying before, but just those little things like we're going together um to uh in, in, in organizing in some small ways the material uh the material basis for the community on the basis of community rather than of the individual or even of the household yeah, totally. um and that's just, it's it's a very small thing but I, I i say it because first of all i don't want people to think oh this is impossible for me you know i i, I don't know how to farm blah 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 you know i have no interest in farming Revolution but, by incrementalism, right, right. Yeah. But just the, but just the idea, and, and that, and that there would be that there, no one's, no one's profiting from this, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah. We, we, it, perhaps even a bit more than you know. We, uh, we went together and bought multiple cows yeah. from a farm that sells that that butchers their own meat, and um, and uh, um, and. Divided among everyone, you know, and everyone paid for their share, blah, 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 blah. But it was, um, but, uh, but again, we're kind of, there's a small little sense of unity in that uh, that goes beyond what is supposed, it goes beyond the purely abstracted notion yeah. of what we expect yeah. friendship to be. And I, and I think that any kind of further development to the point where you can imagine a state confessing Christ or a nation. Right orientating itself towards the truth um, in the kind of more exalted ways that we talk about yeah. would rely on people having that experience. Yes. And this is what I think is really important. It's like until you act yeah. as a community, you will never be, be the basis by which you act together as a nation. Right. Uh, yeah. And this is what I think already we see the problems of pretending that it's otherwise because we have politicians and sort of state level actors that do things in the name of the nation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whereas as a nation, we're yeah. not unified. We're right, at right, each right. other's throats. It seems right. 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 Or yeah. sometimes the contrary where the yeah. assumption is, is that we're at each other's throats right. on the state level. When you actually get to the neighborhood, everyone's fine. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That That's a, that, you know, I can be very pessimistic and very cynical about the state of our politics and our society. But that last point is, is very, is very, very important. You know, uh, as much as much consternation as there is about um, about certain aspects of the pandemic mitigation and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you go to a, a bakery in you know the in your neighborhood or whatever, and people might be grumbling or whatever. But at the end of the day, people are uh, people are not 
there are a lot fewer incidents of people actually becoming upset and um and um uh and and kind of divisive uh in 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 actual life than there are you know spread uh in in twitter videos um and uh and so yeah you know even with the election you know it, at times it felt like during the election that we were you know, looking at the kind of level of breakup that was really um uh, much more of an acceleration than I even thought. And uh, at the end of the day, though, um, as much as I do think that this year has been an accelerant for basically all trends that were currently happening, sure. uh, yeah. the actual lived experience of people in their everyday lives, in their, in their neighborhoods, is not as fractious as, um, as it might seem if you spend most of your time, or you know, too much of your time, on uh on on the internet right and and the and the grounds for operating in peace as a community like the, operating in peace as a community and on any level is the grounds for understanding that we are made to worship god as a community it's like if we yeah. can pursue these goods together why yes. can we not pursue the good together yes yeah and and so you know a lot of this book is about understanding that it is possible and desirable to, un to, to pursue the good of God together, not just as individuals who happen to live together or happen to live near one another, but precisely as a community. Um, and, uh, and understanding that that, rightly understood, goes back to something we're saying at the very, very beginning, where we do a good job of turning people into, um, into professing Catholics, um, but not so great a job of turning them into people who act with justice, who, uh, who, who see the implications of that confession of faith in the material world, specifically when it comes to things like, you know, economics and so on. Um, How you use your money. Right, right. And, uh, and I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I, um, uh, and so, um, you know, one of the things that I hope the readers, readers will get out of the book is the intrinsic connection between those kinds of justice. Yeah. You know, we go to Mass, and part of the duties that we fulfill in that participation in the liturgy, um, uh, part, part of, uh, you know, part of, related to that are the duties we have to our fellow man in justice, um, and that uh, the two build one another up. I like the image of the cruciform, that, you know, the horizontal depends on the vertical, but... Uh, at the same time, the that horizontal axis does um, build up, uh, uh, can build up the, the vertical axis by reminding us what is possible. Yeah, that's great. So everybody go out, buy the book, and who knows, Brandon or Scott might come to your door with a bag of flour. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, thanks so much. Yeah, that was a great conversation. Yep, yep. Have a good one.